It's time to think differently about healthcare, but how do we keep up? The days of yesterday's medicine are long gone, and we're left trying to figure out where to go from here. With all the talk about politics and technology, it can be easy to forget that healthcare is still all about humans. And many of those humans have unbelievable stories to tell. Here, we leave the policy debates to the other guys and focus instead on the people and ideas that are changing the way we address our health. It's time to navigate the new landscape of healthcare together and hear some amazing stories along the way. Ready for a breath of fresh air? It's time for your Paradigm Shift. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare and thank you for listening. I'm Michael Roberts here today with my co-hosts Scott Zeitzer and Jared Johnson. Guys, in today's episode, we're continuing on with part two of a discussion. In the last episode, we talked about how to pick that right marketing mix, you know, how to pick out the channels that we want to use, what tools you need to use. And we got through quite a bit of that discussion and then realized we had a lot more to say and we kind of ran out of show to be able to get through that. So today we're going to be focusing more on you've already kind of fixed some of these problems. You've already fixed some of these processes and now you have a lead. Now what? You know, mm-hmm. what do you do with with this lead once it comes in. So Jared, let's kind of talk about this from a very like high level, I guess, like this lead conversion process. What is it that companies need to be thinking about? Yeah, so the process is important because it has changed a lot. It is not as simple as if you build it, they will come or we turn on, we fire this platform up or these tactics and all of a sudden, like the fire hose is on. We have to realize what we're competing with. And it's funny how often that comes up in any marketing conversation. And a lot of folks are just like, yeah, but we're, you know, we're, I think they just give themselves more brand equity in their minds. That's probably the best way to put it. We think our brands matter more to people than they actually do. And they might, but in context, and we're thinking about marketing from a certain standpoint, trying to solve a certain problem, when that problem is usually not the thing that any human being that you're trying to target is trying to solve or think about first thing in the morning when they wake up. They're dealing with everything else in their life. And now there's more in front of us than ever. There are more distractions than ever. There are more brands trying to compete and engage with us than ever. So like, there are a lot of outside, I guess, exterior, external reasons for our leads, not just like firing like they used to. And I think that's an important part of any discussion because the tactics and the platforms and the marketing mix itself all the channels, all the things we've been talking about, these only get us so far. We have to give ourselves the best chance of those leads actually mattering and of, you know, we better take advantage of every single one that comes in. I recall our episode with our interview with Jessica Walker with CareShirt, but we've referenced it a number of times. Uh, We've referenced a lot of these process-related thoughts uh, on a number of episodes. And it bears repeating just because, again, things have changed. There's so much context that we need to think about. So when we're talking about like what kinds of issues that we have in terms of our lead conversion process, there are some basics. There's some simple parts about all of those lead sources. It's not uncommon to have some digital advertising. So some Google ads running, some Facebook ads running or Instagram ads running, depending on what we're trying to focus on. LinkedIn sponsored posts, whatever it be. You may have anywhere from three to five to eight to 10 different channels that, you know, that we're trying to gather leads in. And first and foremost, we talked about landing pages a lot last time, which I'm glad because that's the first and foremost part. (laughs) Where do they go when they click on the thing that is attracting them? So we can reference, you know, part one of the discussion of, of tips there for the landing page itself. But then it's like, so, hey, where, where are all the pipes connected 
Where do they go from there? Is there a single source? That's where a CRM is usually a key part of any lead conversion process when we're talking about the tech stack that's underneath it. And that can take any number of forms. But at the end of the day, we need to have a central source where all the pipes are, are tapped into. So whatever's flowing there, they need to go to the same place. And that's the easiest thing to do is not to be checking all of your different dashboards, the best thing to do process-wise is to have a single place there. That's something that's just going to help with the process itself. So, you know, that's just a starting point. You know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what other questions, Michael and Scott, that you're hearing specifically, you know, about the process itself? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. So you build it and then they actually come and you're like, okay, now what? To your point, Jared, there's a couple of things happening. You've spent money, on a variety of different platforms, advertising platforms, and people are picking up the phone, say, or filling out a request for more information. With doctor's offices, they ultimately end up just calling the main line. And that can be good and bad, right? Because there are some people who answer the phone who are more knowledgeable than others. Some people who are more have more time to be polite, have more information about what a particular prospective patient may be calling about. Remember, those people were trained to essentially book cases, not to get into a long conversation about uh, uh, some complex orthopedic procedure or whatever type of procedure. Jared, you brought up some sort of CRM tool on the back end. For sure, you need that. Our platform certainly has a way to keep track of, of all that. But you also have to be able to be, I don't know, calming, reassuring, intelligent, et cetera, to actually convert the prospective patient to a new patient. Wouldn't you agree, Michael? You know, I just had a process where I had to reach out and schedule an appointment. And the fact that you're talking about somebody actually responding is already a step further than where I started out <laughs> in my process of trying to book an yeah. appointment. You know, I reached out sent the form in. I'm on the old side of millennial. So I think I still qualify by a hair. But you know, the phone's like, that's just the tool that you use to send texts, right? So I'm not the one that likes to call all the time. But it doesn't really help if you have the digital tools to take in information if you never respond with said digital tools. So you know, I fill out the form. I'm like, cool, I've got that process, you know, handled. Midweek, the following week, when I realized that I've never received an email or a phone call or anything, okay, you know, crap, they they never, never responded. So there's that point in your head where you have to say, like, do I want to go ahead and switch doctors at this point? You know, because I hadn't, this isn't a doctor I'd seen before. So I've got no investment here other than I looked you up and you seemed okay. Do I keep going down this pathway? And I, I think that, you know, for every group that's out there where you have patients that are filling out some kind of form and they're not getting responded to in a decent, you know, time frame, they're not hearing back from whomever is supposed to be doing that. Like that's what the patient is going through. Yep. They're already considering whether they should move on and it has nothing to do with your ability as a doctor. It's just did somebody respond? Did somebody write back or give a call? So I agree. Let's definitely have people that can answer the phone well, but let's have people that actually do answer the phone or do respond via you know email. There's so much lifting going on, right? You spend so much time creating that website, the, the landing pages, 
the advertising, you get to the landing pages, and you just didn't think about that last component. And we do talk a lot, you know, about Jessica over at Care Sherpa. And we've had some very key clients, and we had her do some secret shopper work, you know, where she made some phone calls. And unsurprising to her, it wasn't really a, any passing grades by anybody. And these are successful surgeons. To your point, Michael, it had nothing to do with the surgeon. She calls at lunch. So whenever lunch is in in that particular time zone, she calls during lunch. I can't tell you how many doctor's offices don't answer the phone during lunch. That's all well and good for people answering the phone. And I'm not saying that people need to not eat lunch. That being said, you may want to rotate, you know, some people around so that maybe one person eats lunch at one, et cetera, instead of at 12, because that's when a lot of patients call during lunch and there's nobody to answer. Then God forbid somebody actually, if you leave a voicemail, somebody calls back and you don't get to that phone. Do you call back again? (laughs) Oftentimes we found, no, they didn't. I called back once. That's it. It's their job to call back. This is a cash paying patient. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a great way to think about all this is you back to the, this pipe analogy. I mean, it's a whole lot of pipes that are just dripping out into the street somewhere and they're not connected <laughs> to that, to the building or to the house. And no one's bothered because, uh, hey, my job was just to put the pipe there. You know, they're not like, hey, where is it going from here? It's not uncommon, you know, so it's not a, a knock on anyone. It's just a thought of like, this is what we're seeing when marketing has accelerated so quickly over the last decade. And there have been so many tools to put in there. And there have been so many people out there who are willing to help in one aspect or another, but there have been so many aspects of it that it's it's hard. You know, you, you need that general contractor to be able to put all the parts together to really understand where they're going. And so, you know, a couple of quick checkpoints to to go on are that so that let's carry on that thought of secret shoppers, Scott, you know, the calling the line. So that part, I think, resonates with, with people that it, it makes sense to them. Sometimes it's a little less common for someone to say, okay, why don't you click through, start with this ad or start with, you know, this landing page or, you know, this blog post, whatever the the initial piece of your marketing mix it is that attracts somebody's attention that gets them into your funnel. Have uh, Let's do some secret shopping in that way, in that digital flow. It's not as common, at least from what I've seen, for that to be an active part of of your lead conversion checklist, you know, for somebody to actually test drive it, like all the way through. And a lot of things uh, come up when you do that, not surprisingly. There are parts that I that I don't think anyone totally ignored. It's just usually you assume that a couple of pipes got connected by somebody else or that, you know, they didn't require the process that it did take. So there's a lot more going on under the surface. And, you know, a good marketer makes that part look easy. And that's not usually the part that you see when you're, you're seeing how somebody else is advertising themselves, but it's an important part of the process. And if it is overlooked, then yeah, then all those marketing dollars uh, are not as effective. Everybody, I always appreciate that you tune in, that you're listening to to the show here. I wanted to let you know that we have set up a new newsletter that you can get to at paradigmshift.health. That's paradigmshift.health. You can go there. And the reason that we've got this newsletter is that we like to send out a few extra pieces of information with the show. We also have a full transcript for every single episode that we do. And we can let you know that through email. We can let you know also if we have like a good quote card to be able to show for every episode. So check that out if you'd like, paradigmshift.health. Thanks so much. You know, Michael, you were talking about how you simply wanted to 
book an appointment. So many things have changed. So in the past, you probably would have seen a primary care provider would have told you, you need to see this person. You wouldn't have even looked up any other options, but essentially picked up the phone and kept calling until you got your appointment, because that's the person you're supposed to see. Things have changed. So, you know, I talk about this all the time with our customers where we say, hey, it's no longer a referral from another provider that is good enough. It's, it's no longer good enough that another provider, essentially, you should go see Dr. X. Dr. X still has a lot of work to do and is going to require a little bit more work when you finally get them to pick up the phone and or email you requesting information and or an appointment. You're going to have to take those extra steps. And thinking that going to work for the hospital or the big mega center down the road is the answer? Well, I got to tell you, I, I think uh, the people at Care Sherpa make a good living helping those hospitals too. So don't think it's magically taken care of there. For sure. We see this happen all the time with medical practices. And it's something where, as patients, everybody's experienced this, right? Like we've all had some form of this when we're trying to just get the appointment booked and just trying to get in to see the doctor. And, you know, one last point I'll make around that, that experience for surgeons, for, for medical practices, there are so many competitors that are thinking about this. Yep. The surgeon down the street is working on this probably more than you think. So, you know, in, in the secret shopper experience that we're talking about, you know, the this person would call not only the, the main, you know, the, the practice that we were working with, but a few others as well. And this person was able to get appointments more easily at other places. That was a test, right? That's that's something that we're just doing to improve systems and, and make happen better. But those are potential surgeries that the surgeon isn't getting, you know? So I think that just trying to like emphasize like, no, this this actually matters. The process matters a ton here. So So that's medical practices. We've all experienced it as a patient, probably. So let's switch over to larger companies because, you know, as everybody knows, if you're in a company and not a medical practice, you've got all this stuff figured out, right, guys? Like, no problems from there on. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's funny because you do see so much more sophistication. We do see people that have bigger tool sets and they have more people that are actually trained up in marketing as opposed to having to just add it on to the amount of things that they get done in a practice during the day. You do see people that are trained up in the space, but usually with those bigger companies come a very, very long list of responsibilities as well. So these people can be just as hectic as the people that we're seeing in the medical practices. I've worked for very large companies, Fortune 500 companies, me specifically working directly as an employee. I know, Jared, you have as well. We've all worked with small to medium to large size companies, and they all have their different foibles. And, and a lot of it has to do with, like you were saying, Michael, like there's a structure and there are a set of responsibilities that the marketing department has, and then adapting and being agile enough to see what's changing in the marketplace and adapting roles. Man, that's hard. It really is. It's, it's hard for four people in an office to do, and, and in some ways it's harder to do with 400 people in an office. And I know that I've got a lot of marketing friends who listen to this podcast and they're shaking their head going, yeah, you're right. We talk about how do you get the word out appropriately about your product? And so part of that conversation, I always go back to, well, who are you talking to about your product? Are you talking to 
the surgeon or, or physician who is going to utilize the product, or are you talking to the end user who's going to actually have said product implanted in him or her or utilize said product, right? Because those are two different conversations. It's funny how often things come back to who are you targeting? Like you were yeah. just saying, we, we all feel like we understand that, but yet it doesn't come up very often after the very initial focus of marketing strategy planning. And another piece that that I'm seeing a lot lately is for companies of this size, it, it's pretty common. In fact, even, even a lot of smaller mid-sized companies, this is becoming more and more common. It's like having a Ferrari in the garage or multiple Ferraris in the garage where the MarTech itself, where we, we figured out a platform and we've we've got a platform, but we don't know how to we don't know how to use it to its yeah. full, to, you know, to even drive it around the block. So we we don't either we don't have the right driver, or we we're just scared to do it, or we don't know which direction to drive it. But it's sitting there, and we just need to yeah. instead of thinking now we let's go get another Ferrari to uh, that'll solve the problem of this Ferrari not performing properly. Yeah. Like, let's go get another Ferrari. So like the. Just recognizing that there, there's a combination of things. There is the strategy. There's the direction of how do we use this thing. Then there is making sure that the talent stays with it. And all those pieces are alternate answers to the question of what's my right marketing mix? Because that is too easy to try to say that, hey, our marketing isn't performing the way we want it to. It must be the Ferrari itself. We need a different one. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different marketing teams now. And I'll say for the majority of them, for a lot of the teams that I, I had the chance to work with, one of the biggest issues that I saw was having a combination of enough humility to understand what you don't know and to be willing to look for help in it. And then having enough time to have that humility, to be able to step back and go, I have this Ferrari and it doesn't seem like it's working why is that? And, and being able to ask those kinds of questions, because so often, so many of the conversations are just focused on, well, what's the next task? What's the next campaign we're running? What's the next thing that we're putting out there? You know, and going back to this topic of, of conversion, right, like of trying to get that, that customer all the way through to a buying stage, are we really starting at the very last point before the sales process closes and working our way back? You know, are we taking it very holistically like that from the sale all the way back to how does a podcast fit in with that? How does the trade show appearance that we're doing fit in with that? All of these different tactics that you have, what's the path that's going to make a difference? And sometimes a company needs to be able to understand this is a branding play and this is a, you know, a direct sales play and this one. But is that conversation happening enough to where people are really thinking through you know, hey, I'm spending a lot of money on this thing, on this tactic, whatever it is, or on this Ferrari, whatever that thing is. And are they getting enough chance to stop back and, and say, like, I might have a problem here? And do they have enough humility to say, I definitely need some help here? And I, and I think that people are willing to do so. I think that you sure you have your, your people that have the mega egos out there, but I think a lot of people are willing to admit where they need the help. It's just if they have enough time and enough like strategy to go, oh, I actually need help here. Right, right, exactly. And these are all parts of when we started out 
you know, last episode talking about what's your marketing mix. These are all factors in that. It's not just, let me just choose these from a menu. There's a lot that goes into that choice. The more we realize that, I, I think that's just kind of an awakening that's happening within, within marketing teams and with teams that aren't just focused on marketing, but are trying to do the marketing on behalf of their organization. And those that are, Michael, the ones that you spoke of in the, in the last episode about those that are starting from scratch, this is going to help just thinking through the, these other points. You know, Do you have the talent to drive the Ferrari? Do you have the right folks there? Are, are we looking at the right direction? Are we, Scott, where you were just focusing on, are we targeting the right person right now with all of these efforts? These are all considerations that are part of this question. And that together with some of the tactical parts of like, hey, how do we decide you know, whether that's a Google ad play or, hey, should we be on TikTok focusing? The, like those questions are like, they become moot once you do the other parts. And I think that's why it's worth focusing on the, the parts of the discussion that you've both been bringing up uh, here because it really is more than just picking stuff off a menu. Yeah, it's going to take some time. It's going to take a team of people who are willing, you know, it's not just one person having that humility because for sure, Michael, it's part of the blessing and curse of digital is you actually get feedback very quickly about what's working and not working and being open enough to say, yeah, you know, I I thought that was going to be a good play this month, but it's not. So here's what we're going to do instead. You know, you also have to have a boss who's willing to say, that's okay. That was a good thought process you had because we've all had bosses where they go, well, how did you make a bad decision? Can we get past that for a second? Because I got to come up with a way to really make this work. And and you've got to get buy-in from your boss and your boss's bosses. And you got to get buy-in from the rest of the people on your team. And you got to get buy-in from those other silos, the sales team, et cetera. That's what makes it more difficult for the larger companies. It's not just about one person. It's about selling that idea upstream, across the stream and downstream. The whole marketing experience should be about experimentation. And of course, there's going to be things that perform less well than others. And that's how we're going to grow. And and especially, you know, you think through this past year, how much that formula has changed. You know, you could have had a perfectly optimized advertising campaign that just went out the window last year with with everything going the way that it did. So there's a lot of lot of topics that we're throwing out here about things just to think through just on this kind of conversion point. But with the mindset of these being different experiments that you're running, then you've got room to start thinking through how to improve, how to actually get better at this process and, and always experimenting because people keep on changing. Guys, I think that because we referred to Ferrari so many times throughout this episode that we should be mm-hmm. looking for a new corporate sponsorship uh, for the show. <laughs> so I look forward to bringing you this next episode from Ferrari. Guys, there's so much more we could talk about around this. Thank you so much, folks in the audience. Thank you so much for going on this journey with us. We definitely love to hear back from you. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Always happy to talk there. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare. This program is brought to you by Health Connective, custom marketing solutions for medtech and pharma. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.